Good morning, church family. Uh, Happy New Year. I am very grateful for what God continues to do through this church body. And uh, in this room, some amazing worship has been going on. I've been so uh, inspired this morning just uh, being a part of the worship service in this room that's almost empty right now. Uh, Our church is not gathering live because of uh, a spike in the coronavirus in our area. So just out of precaution and safety. Uh, But I want to invite you, where you are, to turn to the book of Malachi, chapter 4, and we are going to be studying God's Word this morning and talking about our perfect Heavenly Father. Our perfect Heavenly Father. We've been very blessed as a church family to have had a pastor for 32 years who has preached the Word of God to us, who fears the Lord, who has unapologetically communicated the gospel. And uh, this is the first Sunday, not only of 2021, but the first Sunday of our pastor's medical sabbatical, and he's asked us to pray for him and uh, as he continues with his treatments. And uh, he's also asked us to pray for the vision planning team as they uh, continue in their search for Sherwood's next pastor. So uh, I want us to have a prayer time now, and I want us to, uh, to ask the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning and to pray for Michael and, uh, and to pray for what God wants to do in the future at Sherwood as well. Uh, with the Lord Jesus, the best is always yet to come. And so it's exciting to know that we have a Heavenly Father whose plans for us are good and that we can trust Him in all circumstances. So would you join me right now and would you pray and would you ask the Lord to speak to your heart through His Word today? And uh, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up your name today, and we praise you, Father, our creator, our provider, our protector. And we pray that you would be glorified today through your word. We pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the truths of your word, that you would be, that Jesus would be lifted up, that we would understand you, relate to you more intimately as a result of you opening the eyes of our understanding to the width, the length, the depth, the height of your love for us. And Lord, I pray that we would surrender and submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today and at this time and during this season. Lord, we lift up our pastor, Michael Catt, to you. We thank you for him. We thank you for his love for the Word of God. We thank you for how you've blessed us and this church body and this community and the nations through his service of the gospel. And we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would bless his treatments, that you would encourage, comfort, strengthen him and Terry and their family right now. And Lord, we also pray, Father, for the future of this church body that you are Lord over this church body, and we pray that you would be glorified to continue to lead uh, us in the future. And we, we pray for the vision planning team and all of their decisions, that you would be guiding them, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here. And we pray now that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 2020 um, 
People say the word unprecedented has been worn out because of all that has happened this past year. Uh, Even as every day we are to say, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, to think throughout the world what has happened over 2020. I remember seeing a tweet in June uh, of last year when the riots in America were going on in so many cities and even around the world. And uh, the tweet said this, it said, America needs a dad. And it almost brings tears to your eyes because when you see this generation without direction, without hope, without clarity, without understanding of authority, with a sense of fearfulness and restlessness, it reminds me of Malachi chapter 4. And so I want to read this to you this morning, if you want to join me, the last verse of the Old Testament. So interesting that God would make this the last verse. The Lord said that he was going to be sending, in verse 5, Elijah the prophet before the coming and the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. After the movie Courageous came out, there was uh, an organization called the Fatherhood Commission that was launched. Dozens of ministries from across the nation who are passionate about the issue of fatherhood. And every year, uh, we meet together and we talk about what's going on in the nation specifically concerning fatherhood and fatherlessness. And it has been... uh, very eye-opening that the statistics continue to get worse and worse of the fatherlessness going on across our country. As a result of it, the prisons continue, the prison population continues to increase. You see education going down, that the research shows that so many of the worst issues in each generation is specifically the one common denominator is fatherlessness. That if you want to bless education in a country, help the dads to teach their kids. If you want to lower stress level, disease, the five top leading causes of child uh, disease and health crisis are connected to stress, specifically with issues that fathers are supposed to be helping their kids to deal with. We hear about trafficking going on along around the world. And the statistics show that the overwhelming majority of people that are involved in trafficking, it's connected to fatherlessness. In the pornography industry, the overwhelming majority of people that are in that industry are fa- grew up fatherlessness, grew up fatherless. The runaways in our generation, specifically, the majority of them come from fatherless homes. The opioid addiction, the drug addiction in our generation, the the people who are fatherless are more likely to use drugs in the future. The statistics go on and on and on. And so you see a curse, in a sense, following when men are not stepping up into the role of father. And so when I look at God's word, it's interesting to me that understanding scripture is also connected to this issue of understanding the role of father. Because God calls himself our father. And understanding how to relate to God is also connected to this issue of understanding 
the roles and responsibilities of father. So as I was praying for this message this morning, Lord, what do you want me to focus in on? I'm com- I keep coming back to glorify the Father this morning. Lift up the Father. Because we have a nation that in a crisis desperately needs to view God as their Father. And men, especially in our generation, need to remember and be encouraged and reminded to step up into their role as fathers. Because when leadership is, is disconnected, People need a daddy. Not just children, but we as adults need our heavenly daddy to be stepping into our lives. So today I want to focus in on this issue of fatherhood. And I I specifically want to glorify my heavenly father. And I hope this will deepen your understanding of your relationship with your heavenly father at the same time. So right now, 42% of children are growing up without a father in the home. Over 25 million children in our country without a dad. Rioting in the streets, it has been said, is a scream for the dad who wasn't there in the homes of so many of these young people. Another 25% have a dad in the home, but he's disconnected. He's disengaged. He's not emotionally connected to his children. About 7 out of 10 kids are not emotionally connected to their fathers, 70%. This is a crisis in our generation. And so when we look at the issue of fatherhood in Scripture, I want you to know that God calls himself Father. That in the Trinity, it's interesting that Father is always mentioned as the first role in the Trinity. It's always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and not the reverse of that. Before there was a marriage in a garden, there was a father and a son in eternity. And God wants us to learn to relate to him specifically in this role as father. And in the beginning of scripture, you will see God the father being involved in creation within the Trinity. But you will also see that God the father always has the will, the plan, the motive, the leadership role within the Trinity. That God the Father so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to do the will of the Father, to speak the words of the Father, to do the works of the Father, to introduce us to the Heavenly Father. The core language of scripture is Hebrew in the Old Testament. And it's interesting that the first word in the Hebrew language is the word ab, the letters A-B, the first two letters of the Hebrew language. If you look at the Strong's Concordance, it will be the first word in the Strong's Concordance. This tiny two-letter word means father. It is the beginning place. It means founder. It means source. We talk about, you know, the father of the revolution or the father of an, an invention being the one who founded it. It means chief. It means leader, among other things. And God chose this word father, and he used the word ab to represent the word father as the starting point in the beginning place. The word Abram means father of height. Abraham, father of a multitude. Abimelech, father of the king. And the word Absalom, it's interesting, the word ab, father, and shalom, which means peace, 
Absalom was supposed to be representing peace in his generation. But because David lost the heart of his son, the father lost the heart of his son, Absalom became the opposite of peace in his generation. And over 20,000 men died in battle. It's also interesting that the word ab is the first word an infant can say. When they are just barely mumbling, ab, abba. And that word Abba means father, and it also means daddy, because an infant, infant can say that word. Which brings me to, again, back to children. Because God's desire is to turn the hearts of father back to their children, and for children to turn their hearts to turn back to their fathers. Because fathers are representing the heavenly father in their home. It says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, the glory of children is their father. And when a little kid is growing up, they're wanting to look up and see their dad as a hero in their life, someone that will protect them, will lead them, guide them. And it's interesting that if you ask someone to tell their father's story, even as an adult, tell me your story about your relationship with your father. Oftentimes it leads to tears because their heart is connected to that story, either because they admired their dad so much and were so blessed by him, or because he hurt them so deeply or was never there for them. But either way, their heart is connected specifically, like Scripture says, to this role of father. And so the first command to Adam in Scripture is to be fruitful and multiply, to become a father. And the establishment of Abraham and his covenant was specifically about him becoming a father of many generations. In Genesis 28, God introduces himself to Jacob And he relates to him specifically through the lens of fatherhood. He says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you will lie, I will give it to you and your descendants, specifically tied to fatherhood. When God gave the law to Moses, he told the people that their spiritual blessings and cursings would pass through the line of the fathers. He says in Deuteronomy 5, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers on through the, four, the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So this last verse of the Old Testament that God says his desire is to turn the hearts of fathers back to their children and children to their fathers. Then if you flip the page, the first verses of the New Testament begin to talk about the father lineage of Jesus. And it says in Matthew chapter 1, the record of the, gene, the, record of the, of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah. And it continues on through the fatherly line. It's interesting though, because even as a gender is coming from the Father, and the blessings and cursings are coming from the Father, you will see in Scripture. The sin nature, it is believed, is also passing through the Father. In Romans it says, For by one man sin entered the world, and through him death upon all men, because all have sinned. And because Jesus did not have an earthly father, he's born with no sin nature. He lives a sinless life, so he can be our sinless sacrifice upon the cross. It is powerful to see this responsibility being there. And so in Matthew 3, verse 17, we hear the first words from the heavenly father speaking. And he says to Jesus, this is my beloved son 
in whom I'm well pleased. Then when Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 5, if you could turn to Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 5, of all the things he talks about in his first sermon, the Messiah has entered the world, he consistently points out how to relate to God as your father. He doesn't talk about his earthly father, Joseph. He doesn't talk about Joseph's successes and failures. He talks specifically about God, relating to God as father, praying to God as father, trusting him as father, not worrying because he knows your needs and he's your perfect father. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, this is the first time Jesus speaks the word father, and he says to his disciples and to us today, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Jesus, the light of the world, modeled this verse with his entire life. Everywhere he went, glorifying the Father, relating to the Father, walking with the Father, representing the Father everywhere he went. And Jesus was busy about good works to point people back to the Father. He continues on in the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to jump down to chapter 6 because he talks about prayer and he says, when you pray, don't pray for people. Pray so that your Father will see you. He will hear you. Focus in your prayers on pleasing him. And you're familiar with this model prayer he gives us. And he says in verse 8, do not be like the hypocrites, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And look at verse 9. Pray then in this way. He wasn't say this is what to pray. He says this is how to pray. He's giving us a model. He's giving us a blueprint. And he says, pray our Father. Not just God, not just a disconnected being. He says, pray our Father. One of the most intimate ways to relate to God. Our Father specifically in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's talking to the Father. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us the leadership of a father, into temptation. But deliver us the protection of a father from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I want to talk specifically about the roles of a father right now. Because when we understand the biblical roles of a father, it helps us as men to step up anytime there's a crisis in our home. It helps us to prepare to lead in every avenue that God has given us. But secondly, it helps us to understand and relate to our Heavenly Father, understanding His roles in our lives as we walk with Him. The first is, I want to point out that a father should be a faithful provider. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father who is good give good things to those who ask him? The word father means source. It means to provide. And men should be providing for their families. They should be providing for them not only to survive, but to succeed in life. And Jesus showed us that the provision of an earthly father is reflective. He should be introducing his family to understanding the provision of a heavenly father. And to many fathers, this is the extent of their fathering. They think that only, our only job is just to provide for my children. 
But you will see in Scripture that it goes so much more beyond physical provision. Because a father should provide spiritual nourishment for his family. He should be uh, helping them in every area of their lives, representing God as father. Because the Bible calls God Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God has no problem, you will see throughout scripture, supplying anything in any amount to anyone, anywhere, at any time. He can supply and feed thousands of people in the wilderness for 40 years. He can feed Elijah with bread and with meat through the ravens by the brook when there's no food in the land. He can feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.19 that of believers, he said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. His supply, not the economy supply, not the world supply. God has no problem, again, providing anything in any amount to anyone, anywhere, at any time. And in this time of social and political unrest, believers must remember that God is our provider. And that we don't look to man, we look specifically and we cry out and call upon our Father and we ask knowing we will receive. We seek knowing that we will find in our relationship with him. A faithful provider. Secondly, a strong protector. Jesus said we should pray, Father, deliver us from the evil one. It's interesting in Matthew chapter 2 when God wanted to protect the infant Jesus he woke up Joseph and he said, get Mary and the baby, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and remain there because Herod is going to search for the child to destroy them, destroy him. So Joseph's responsibility, God said, it's on you to be protecting your family. You know, we understand that football teams will fail if they have no plan of defense. Nations will fall if they have no national defense. And God has established a father as the head of the Department of Defense in his family. Not just physically to protect our children, but spiritually to protect them. When our kids are in a crisis and in a generation constantly leading them to evil, we have to step up and say, not on my watch and not in my family. And we have to be on guard what our children look at, who they're hanging out with, because we are responsible before God to represent him as protectors in our homes. And so I'm reminded, and I have to tell my kids, if you don't set boundaries around you with wisdom, I will set boundaries around you with love because I love that which is priceless to me and you are priceless to me. So men, are you stepping up as the protector of your home? America right now, this next generation desperately needs protection and deliverance from evil. It begins with men stepping up as fathers in their homes and secondly, interceding on behalf of our children. I think about Job was on his knees interceding and praying on behalf of his children. It is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that a man who was demon-possessed came up to Jesus, knelt down, and begged Jesus to deliver his son from a demon. Because he knew it was his responsibility to protect his child. And because he was under the influence of the evil one, he's interceding. And we men uh, have to pray for our children. We can't always be with them. 
And uh, I have a, a son who is 19 now, college age, and a daughter who is seven years old. And I have to be reminded, it is my responsibility not only to protect them, but to intercede on their behalf. Lord, would you deliver my children from evil and from the evil one? Would you lead them away from temptation? Would you protect them? And then thirdly, a loving leader. When Jesus was baptized, his father says, you are my beloved son. A father is to lead his family with love. Every one of your children needs to know how much you love them. And when a child has a father that says, I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm going to stand with you, I'm always going to be there for you, it changes the heart of that child forever. It only takes a few seconds to communicate love for our children. Uh, I, I admire my brother Alex so much as a father, he's an incredible father for his children. I've told him, you know, uh, you're such a great dad for your kids. All six of his kids have won state championships in sports. He's always been right there cheering them on from the sidelines. But he says, I try to every day hug my kids, remind them that I love them, pray for them. And I think it's been such an inspiration for me to look up to my older brother and see that in his life. But we saw that modeled in our earthly father when we were growing up, that he was very affectionate and loving. And so, man, I want to encourage you to be the captain of the offensive line in your home. Not only the provider, not only the protector, but the leader, the one leading your family, because the enemy wants to take out the quarterback in your family, and it's you. He wants to put the king in checkmate, and it's you. And when men disengage and step away from the roles and responsibilities of their families, it's like the bus driver jumping off the bus and it leads the rest of their family in the crisis and potentially in a ditch. Fourthly, an honorable authority. Fathers have been given authority in their home. They've been placed in the driver's seat of their families and they oftentimes don't know it. But God is the king of a kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, scripture says. And God spoke through the prophet Malachi he says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am your father, where is my honor? One of the greatest things we can do for our children, if we want them to live a good life and a long life, the first commandment in scripture is to honor your father and your mother. And when I talk about the role of fatherhood, this is in no way dishonoring the role of motherhood. You will see ab with M in scripture, father and mother consistently used together in scripture. And that God has created men and women to be like two wings on an airplane, balancing each other out to enable uh, them to do God's will in all things. But specifically with this role of fatherhood, God puts it on the father to teach respect to his children, to teach them to honor all authority. Because if they will honor your authority, then scripture says they will live a good life and they will live a long life. And if Fathers do not teach their children respect, to respect authority. They begin to lose on multiple fronts. They won't respect their teachers. They won't respect their coaches. They won't respect their employers, their pastors, their government officials later on. And they lose the blessing and the protection of God that comes by honoring the authorities that are established by God over our lives. But when we as men keep our promises... When we lead with respect, when we teach our children respect, it teaches them not only to respect authority in their lives, but ultimately to respect God their father when he asks them to do something. 
And this convicts me and inspires me in my role as a father because there's times when I think, what should I do in this situation? And then I think, I am teaching my children to one day dishonor or obey God in the future by how I'm modeling the way. My father, Larry Kendrick, would come to us sometimes and he would say, have I made a promise and I didn't keep it? Have I hurt you or disciplined you in a way and I need to make it right? Have I said one thing and done something else? It was so important to him that he not only had our hearts, but that he was an honorable and respected authority in our lives. He also would discipline us to teach us respect. In scripture, you will see that God communicates that honor and respect in scripture are often taught by discipline with parents. It says in Hebrews 12, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Eli was rebuked by God in scripture because he was too passive and he failed to discipline his children. So as we're teaching our children to respect us and the Lord, it prepares them for success in each other area of their lives. Number five, a truthful teacher, a truthful teacher. The word father is connected to teaching in scripture. Ephesians 6 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger or wrath, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. A father is biblically supposed to be the head of their child's department of education in the family. And too often, men think the government or the wife is supposed to carry all the education in the home. But you will see in scripture that God places it again on a father's shoulders. Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter 4, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. He says, When I was a son to my father, tender and only in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Solomon, the wisest king who ever lived, when God said, What do you want? He specifically asked for wisdom and understanding. In the book of Proverbs, he says, I learned the value of that from my own earthly father. My own earthly father, when I was young, was teaching me, seek wisdom, seek understanding. So when Solomon grew up, became king, and God said, what do you want? He remembers the teaching of his father, and he asked God to give him wisdom and understanding. And then he became a great king. A father should be teaching their children in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, when it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Then he says, And you shall teach your children this. Teach them to love and fear the Lord. When you rise up, walk in the way, sit in your house, and go to bed at night. When I look back at growing up, my earthly father's words, even today, echo in my ears when he says, Start where you are and go forward as fast as you can. When he would say, it takes a steady hand to hold a full cup. When he would say, you can eat an elephant if you break him up into bite-sized pieces. And when a father is speaking into the ears of his children, he's also speaking into the ears of his great-great-grandchildren. Because now I'm passing those those lessons on to my kids and teaching them to pass it on to their children. So men, are you teaching your children? Are you stepping into this role as a truthful teacher representing your heavenly father? And then number six, a compassionate friend. 
Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Sometimes it's difficult to know when to comfort a child or tell a child to to quit whining and step it up. But compassion is connected to fatherhood in scripture. The pivotal moment in the prodigal son story is when the father sees his broken son coming home and he's moved with compassion for him. And he runs to him, representing our heavenly father. And we relate to God because, because Bible, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. And then number seven, a living example. Jesus said, whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does. In like manner, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he himself is doing. A father should be able to say, Follow me as I follow Christ. Now we could just end the message here and be very convicted. And men could say, You know what? I'm failing in all these areas of my life. I haven't always provided like I should. I haven't always protected as I should. I haven't always taught. Or you may be thinking about your own dad. My dad was not there for me. My dad didn't love me. He's never told me he loved me. Uh, He's never really provided for me. He's never comforted me when I was hurting. But I, I want you to know that Scripture also communicates a consistent message that earthly fatherhood is broken. You will see God say, earthly dads will fail. In Acts chapter seven, it says, our fathers were unwilling to be obedient. Jesus says in Matthew five, if you father, earthly fathers are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children. In Psalm 78, it says, tell the generation to come, even the generation to be born, that they may arise and tell their children to put their confidence in God. They should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. So scripture communicates, if you see your earthly father as broken, as imperfect, that that's consistently around the world. There are no perfect fathers on earth. And that we can forgive them and release them because they didn't have perfect fathers either. But here's what's beautiful to me. There's a word consistently tied to the fatherhood of God. And it is the word perfect. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he says in Matthew 5, 48, you are to be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Scripture communicates that his provision is perfect. James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift gift comes down from the Father. His will, his plans for us are perfect. The Apostle Paul writes, we are to present ourselves to him, give our lives to him. Don't be like this world because he wants to reveal his will, will to us, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives that we have a perfect heavenly father. Jesus said, do not call anyone on the earth your father. In Matthew 23, he says, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. 
He says he will be the father to the fatherless in Psalm 68. So there's a biblical transition that God wants to take place in all of our lives. And that is when we forgive and release our earthly fathers from the wounds, from the inadequacies, the imperfections, and that we shift our hearts and view God as the perfect father that we've always needed, always longed for, but never had. What message do we have for a generation that has had no dad? That they can have a perfect father in heaven. What message can we communicate to people that are in poverty? That they If they can give their lives to Christ, God becomes their father. He adopts them into his family, scripture says, and he will provide for his children. What message do we have for a generation that needs hope, that needs comfort? God wants to be your father. And when Jesus in the book of John was communicating to his disciples before he went to the cross, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, it would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know the way. And they said, what is the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus came to bridge us to the Father, to connect us to the Heavenly Father, to die on a cross and rise again from the grave so that he could say, I will now ascend to my Father and your Father. Jesus came, he said to his disciples, he said, I have come to represent the Father. I've come to speak the words of the Father, to do the will of the Father. They said, show us the Father. And he said, if you look at me, you can see the Father. If you want to know what a perfect Father looks like, if you want to know what what God wants to be in your life, look not at your earthly Father, look at Jesus. Because he came as the perfect representation of the Father in your life. And when you see the compassion of Jesus on those that are hurting and in need, know that your heavenly Father wants to show that same compassion to you. And when you see Jesus providing for those that are in need, miraculously, you can know that your heavenly Father, since Jesus was representing him, wants to miraculously provide for you. When you see Jesus delivering people from evil as a representative of the Father, you can know that your heavenly Father wants to deliver you and your family from all forms of evil. And when you see the love of Jesus laying down his life for others, and he said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, you can know that your heavenly Father wants to show that same love to you. Which is why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, his children, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you never heard, I love you from your earthly father, you have a heavenly father who's shouting, I love you, through Jesus' death on the cross. And if you have never heard a blessing or affirmation from your earthly father, when you give your life to Christ, the Bible says you then receive the blessing of Christ in your life. You have a father who's giving you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so the apostle Paul prays for the church that God would open their eyes through his Holy Spirit to realize not only their identity, but the grace of their father for them. And he says in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm praying for you that he will open the eyes of your understanding so that you would know the width, the length, the depth, 
the height of your Father in heaven. Because your Father is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine in any circumstance. So I have good news for you today. If you don't know God, if you need a father and a daddy, God is offering you a relationship with him to invite you into his family, to become your father through Jesus Christ. He so loved you that he sent Jesus into the world, that if you will turn from your sins and believe in Christ, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. But I also believe that we have a generation of believers that have given their lives to Christ, but they are basically functional orphans. They sit in a church and they don't believe that God's going to provide for them because they didn't see their earthly fathers provide for them. Or they're wounded by their earthly fathers who wouldn't keep a promise. And so they begin to doubt the promises of God. And we have to throw off that bad image of what God is like and forgive and let go of the imperfections of our earthly fathers. We have to do what Psalm 78 says and not be like our earthly fathers and put our hope in God. So I want to encourage you this year. First, men, step up into the roles of an earthly father because you represent God the Father in heaven. Help your children prepare to know the love of God as you're loving them, to hear the wisdom of God as you're pouring into them, to know the protection of God as you're protecting them. But more importantly, we must offer our generation the gospel so that they can have God as their father. That's what, the des that's what they desperately need. America needs a dad. The world needs a dad. And God is the dad, the Abba Father that they need. But also, as believers, we're commanded in Scripture to reach out to the fatherless and represent the Father. But we're also instructed by Jesus to relate to God as Father. So this truth of the perfection of my Father has been affecting my prayer life. It's affecting, in a crisis, how I'm thinking over this past year. Because now when you and I pray, we should remember we're praying to a perfect Father whose will is perfect. His provision is perfect. His love is perfect for us. And we can come to him in our time of need with whatever's going to happen with the election. And we should vote on, in, two, in two days, on January 5th. In, throughout Georgia, we should vote. And we should pray for our nation. We should pray for our political leaders. But most importantly, we should let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We should pray our Father. We should surrender our lives to him, walk with him intimately, because he sent his son into the world so that we could have a relationship with him. Would you pray with me now? Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up every person who has heard this message. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified to draw them into a deeper, more intimate walk with you. You are the perfect provider. You are the protector. You are the teacher. You're the comfort that we need. You're the authority. You are the leader. And you sent Jesus so that we could know you. So Lord, I pray for anyone who doesn't know Christ that they would call upon the name of Jesus to be saved today. That right where they are, they would realize that they are a sinner 
and that Jesus died and rose again to pay for their sins. And that by placing their hearts in your hands, placing their faith in you, their broken lives in your hands, calling upon Jesus to be saved. Your word says you will save them, transform them. And your word says that to those who receive Jesus, they have the right to become the sons and daughters of God. Lord, I pray for believers for such a time as this that we would walk intimately with our heavenly father, that we would forgive our earthly fathers and that we would trust you completely at this time and that we would be busy spreading the gospel, introducing other people to you and that we would let our light so shine that you may be glorified. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're going to do this year our eyes are upon you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.